0: This is a Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 92. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a Colored Pencil Podcast, where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts... Lisa Clow and John Middick. Hello, my name is John Middick, and I am joined by my co host Lisa Clow of Lock Refine Art. Lisa, how are you today?
1: I am great. How are you?
0: I am never better. So this is the show about colored pencil, where we talk it out every single Monday. Lisa, what are we talking about today?
1: We've got some tips to help you correct colored pencil mistakes.
0: We've been on this kind of a mistake binge, I guess. (laughs) And so maybe this kind of round things off here a little bit. We've discussed some of these things a little bit in the past, but I'm looking forward to uh, talking about this. So despite some of our best efforts to avoid them, mistakes, uh, they can and will happen when we're creating our art. And so we want to just talk a little bit about what you can do to sort of equip yourself to getting out of that or getting around the mistakes, ways of correcting this whenever it happens to you.
1: So the first thing we're going to talk about is erasing mistakes and different things that you can do to be successful in that attempt.
0: Yeah, and you may recall if you are a longtime listener of the show that we did cover erasers and removing mistakes at one point back in episode 10. And there's a couple of things that we're probably going to uh, talk about differently this time and add to this discussion. But number one, if the wrong eraser, if you're using the wrong eraser, it can actually damage your paper. And so we kind of have to go back and think about, you know, what are erasers and what are they used for? What is, you know, kind of their history? I know, Lisa, you've been dying for a history lesson, so I don't want to disappoint you. Actually, if you look back far enough, there are... You know, rubber, when, when we talk about rubber, that's kind of where we got that uh, particular use of, of rubber is by using this um, device. And some, some people, if you read the history on it, some people say that a long time ago they would actually use old bread, like crusty bread, to remove mistakes with graphite. You know, it's not all that different when you're talking about using a pink eraser as a kid in school. But the problem with those types of erasers, these uh, erasers that have this synthetic materials in them and this pumice sometimes and other things that are more abrasive, is they can just rub your paper and start to damage it. So typically, what we want to do is we want to well, we want to start off thinking about what type of eraser I'm going to use and being aware of some of the differences in the erasers pink erasers I would avoid altogether because of mostly because of of the abrasive nature of, of those erasers but then they also have that dye in there and that can uh, color your paper the dye is my bigger
1: issue
0: yeah, I yeah, actually
1: exactly. intentionally use abrasive erasers I use ink erasers all the time but only white
0: now I was going to talk about uh, some of the abrasive erasers and I do like some of those as well One of those that I really like is the sand eraser, and it's very abrasive. It's actually more abrasive than the pink eraser, and that's put out by Tombow Mono. You know, you can pick that one up, but it's really good for colored pencil if you have a sturdy enough paper or support that you're using it on. Um, Not something that's extremely delicate, because if you're using it on something delicate, you know, you're going to just tear it right up. But then, yeah, there's differences in those plastic erasers and some of the more synthetic materials and in like a kneaded eraser. Some of them, depending upon the type of material that it's made of, if you press very hard, some of them will just start. There's a crumbling point that they'll just start crumbling apart quickly. Sometimes that's a good thing, depending on what paper, what support you're using. Some of them are less likely to do that and can be used just a little more flexible and they won't crumble. So what we always say is test on a separate sheet of paper and try to figure out, you know, what that happy medium is for whatever support that you're using and then what eraser is going to work well with that support.
1: And I think it goes more than that too, at least for me. I use the Faber-Castell ink eraser. That one, I like that better than a handheld eraser or like a a blob or block eraser. That's the word I'm looking for. I like the one in pencil form because I can control the pressure that I'm adding to the paper so much Mm -hmm. better than I can when I'm holding a larger block. Now, when I use that eraser, it's pretty much only when I have a lot of pigment on the paper and realize something like, wow, I'm doing this portrait and this nostril is slightly too far off. I need to lighten this area. So I need to remove the dark area first, which I have so much pigment on the paper. I need to remove as much of that as I can so I can go over it with the light. So in that case, I can use that ink eraser to pull off some of the heavier, especially if I've been using wax-based pencils, which I do a lot when working in portraits, that is my f- absolute favorite for lifting stuff like that up, up where I know I'm going to completely recover that paper with as much new colored pencil as possible, but no more will stick because there's so much waxy buildup already there. So those pencils are great, but you, I feel like with those, you just have so much more control than the big block that you would otherwise be holding. You can, Besides just getting thinner lines, you've got that extra control with the amount of pressure you're using.
0: Yeah, I have to agree. And then also the Tombow mono erasers, there's two different types with those that come in that stick form, that pin kind of form. They've got that round one, and then they also have that sort of oblong square uh, rectangle kind of eraser. And those work really well, too, in real tight areas where you need to be very, very exact. You know, for larger areas, for me at least, it works best if I'm using more of the Lifting kind of motion where I'm trying to just tap and uh, press and then and then lift off like with like what you would do with a kneaded eraser or with tape or something like that that seems to work better for me for a larger area.
1: So the next tip would be rubbing versus lifting the pigment from the paper. If you rub the eraser back and forth, that can not only wear down the paper, but it tends to smear the pencil. It kind of makes mm-hmm. a bigger mess than what you started with. So that's not going to be ideal. And it also going back to what John was saying earlier, the type of paper you're using will make a big difference. So again, always test on a scratch piece of whatever that paper is that you're working on to make sure you know what results you're going to get before you ruin a project. But test things out because if you can lift instead, figure out how to do the lifting motion where you're just pressing that eraser into the paper or into the pencil and lifting that up, that will make a huge, huge difference in fixing a mistake instead of just making a bigger mess.
0: Yeah, you know, and what's going on really, I mean, if we think about it is we're grinding down into that paper. So we're pushing the pigment into the tooth of the paper uh, if we're doing that rubbing motion. And probably that's the thing that we don't want to do often. But, you know, this kind of leads me down this road just a moment of talking about some of the differences in the papers. I think, Lisa, most of the time you're using a watercolor paper and it has you know it can take a lot of abuse and there are a lot of those that that will do that stonehenge is one of the go-tos for me and surprisingly it does take a lot of abuse but it also has a very delicate surface and so it's kind of a it's kind of a mix there just a little bit but strathmore uh, also makes a paper that is more of it has it's one i started using recently and i really kind of like it it reminds me of some others that are more like uh, four ply and things like that it's a it's a thicker paper the 500 bristol uh series is what i'm talking about by strathmore you know it has the rag fibers which you know you've got those longer fibers that will bind the paper together more instead of being uh, just a lot of cotton linters and so what you've got with that is something that will hold up and it's very durable. And a lot of the papers that are made like that, that have that, uh, the stronger type papers, will actually, they'll put up with a lot of abuse. It makes a lot more sense to try to lift the pigment rather than grind it down and because you're tearing up the paper a little bit when you do that. And that's okay sometimes, like we mentioned. I mean, that can be intentional. But the first option that I always want to explore is trying to lift it off of there. And if you can use, you know, like a kneaded eraser and try to lift it off, it's worth a try.
1: The erasers like the Faber-Castell ink eraser, those you are going to be kind of rubbing back and forth. That really isn't yeah. going to work for lifting. But with those, no. I usually will work the pen, the eraser very lightly and in small circles or along whatever pattern this I'm trying to lift up. But those ones I am not trying to press down and lift up. So just want to clarify that. But yeah. the other thing I want to throw out there too with using that is if you are using odorless mineral spirits like I do when you're blending, you're not going to get your paper back to white. I mean, you're probably not going to get the paper back to white anyway but you're never even with the ink eraser no matter which eraser you use that paper is never coming back up to white that's okay when I use that what I'm doing is just trying to lift some of the colored pencil so that I can put new pencil in its place it's not that I'm g- going to ever have that paper as white as it used to be so make sure I right. think that's a mistake that I've seen people make where they're trying to make the paper white again and they erase and erase and erase until they burn right through the paper when you start damaging the paper it is time to stop that eraser.
0: That's a good point and yeah, and especially if you're just starting out in colored pencil Yeah, don't let that become a discouragement to you if you're uh, trying to erase and remove something and you're thinking, oh, I can never get this back to white. There's nothing I can do. There is. You can rework that area and you can actually put enough layers typically on top as long as you've protected the tooth of the paper or it's a durable, durable enough paper that it will take it. You can keep putting layers on it and you can lean those colors back in the directions that you want. But I actually use, uh, you know, if you're using some of these plastic erasers that start crumbling very quickly, once you've got those erasers, I think they're called, that are sitting up on top, all these crumbles, you can use your kneaded eraser and just pick them up, you know, with that and then knead that back together and uh, you're good to go.
1: It helps genius, get rid of actually. all that
0: delicate stuff.
1: I mine generally fall because I work upright, but oh, that yeah, is that's genius. Right. I never thought of using a kneaded eraser in that way. All right, so
0: the next one is using tape to lift, and did we just talk about that a little bit? Maybe we did. I'm not no. sure, but uh, okay, no, we think. didn't.
1: Now I'm wondering. <laughs> no, you're, I prob- don't know. you're
0: probably right. You're Where were we? Right, uh, but yeah, I mean this this is one of the most uh, exciting things I remember finding out about when I discovered using Scotch tape or magic tape, depending on what you want to call it. What you're doing there is. You're just lifting the pigment off the surface, much like you would do with um, a kneaded eraser. The cool thing about it is it just works very, very well. And while we're talking about that, you know, there's other ways of lifting. You can use sticky putty. But I like to use a combination of both of these methods together. And actually, this is something that I kind of walked through in uh, part of my course on colored pencil what I do is discuss you know using the tape first. if you use the magic tape first and just kind of gently lift some of that, you just get a small piece since it's clear, you're able to see where you're placing it on your project and then you take just a pencil or whatever some type of instrument to press it down with and put that down in in the offending area and then you'll start lifting that up and then you want to move to a new uh, piece of tape that's clean but then after you've done that there it reaches a point where it's not going to grab much off of the off of your project and then you can use your kneaded eraser or sticky putty over that, you know, hitting it from all these different directions until you've got the pigment off of there as much as you can get or as much as you want to get.
1: This is a great technique to use as well, not just for erasing mistakes, but actually for different special effects. Let's say you're painting grass or drawing grass. You've got a base of dark, you've put light on top, put, or the other way around, whichever, go ahead and go over that to create blades of grass within that with your tape. I would put a piece of the tape down with the scotch tape and take a pencil, a very sharp pencil. You can use a stylus. There's a lot of different tools that you can use to, depending on the width that you want. Just press that down, redraw the grass basically onto the tape. Now you have to be careful not to push the tape hard because it'll end up pulling up a lot of the color you don't want. But you can create a lot of really cool effects in lifting edges. Um, If you want cleaner, sharper edges, you can go around and use the tape for that. And then again, take the pencil. Let's say you're drawing a flower and you want to sharpen that edge up or lift some of the color off the edge. You can go over it with white. Lift that with the, the tape. Just go over it. Set the tape on the edge of the flower where you want it. Take your pencil over that area and then slowly lift that. Again, be careful because if you push too hard, you can definitely pull off a lot more than you want. But I've used this for making yeah. mossy rocks, for drawing grass, for trees in the distance. Um, it's a really, really great tool for getting different effects.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's surprising how well it works. That's the thing that shocked me. It's like, wow, this works so well. Yeah,
1: I actually read about it in Aliona Nicholson's book, The Colored Pencil or the – what is it? The Colored Pencil Painting Bible – and I was thinking, probably
0: where I, read nah,
1: about it. I don't know how well this will work, but I've got scotch tape. Let's give it a try. And it was like, oh, my right. gosh, this is amazing.
0: <laughs> I know it, it is kind of surprising. And, you know, the secret isn't isn't in the scotch tape, really. I mean, you could use masking tape or anything like that, but you're not able to see very well what you're you know, putting down whenever you do that. It's in that adhesive that's uh, on the tape. So I wonder if that would work for hair, actually, now that I'm thinking about all yes, the uses that you will. get out of that.
1: I guess it it will. Yeah. Now it doesn't, you will find if you're using odorless mineral spirits, the way that it lifts is going to look very different than if you've not used odorless mineral spirits. So it's going to depend on how you've layered everything. Just play around with it. Um, It may not get exactly the results you thought it would in one way, but you do it again another way. Like if I, I found, if I put a light color down first, then a darker color on top of it, and then use the tape that way, that let me pull up light strands in hair. So you can make it work. It's just the way you layer it.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And for grass and things like that, where you do want, and hair, same way, where you do want a uh, uh, multiple colors, uh, you know, shadows mm-hmm. and darks and lights, all in a tighter space oftentimes, it makes a lot of sense to use something like this. But yeah, to your point there, Lisa, this is just a, a big, you know, word of caution here or um, something to, to keep in mind that when you're, when you're doing this, you do want to be a little cautious at the beginning test because yeah wherever you stick that down sometimes if you accidentally leave it down on your on your paper and then maybe you accidentally touch it with your finger or something it'll it'll take off whatever you put down if you're not using OMS in those areas I think it probably will take it up even more
1: and even if you use OMS you still have to be careful because I still end up pulling up more than I wanted
0: yeah it's no big deal
1: you just go over it with a pencil so it's not a
0: big issue and you and you got it back yeah but yeah, it's just something to be aware of. Uh, if you have a long strip and then you take off a lot, that you just work so long on, and you got to put all that back down again.
1: Yeah. So the next on our list is actually not removing product but instead applying something new, and that is using the titanium white, or colored pencil titanium white, and touch-up texture from brushandpencil.com. We've talked about this before. I use it for drawing Mm -hmm. whiskers and little hairs, and I use it for so many things now. Even if you're not using the whole powder blender kit from brush and pencil, these two products are an absolute must-have for me now. I use this all the time, and it's not even so much for me. I say we can use it to fix mistakes, but I use it, I basically intentionally make what would otherwise be a mistake knowing that I'm going to put this on top to cover that up in little thin lines or thin areas. So let's say I'm painting a bunch of grass and it looks too thick, too clumpy. I will take the titanium that mixture, that's a mouthful, but I will make that mixture and use a liner brush and paint in the smaller blades of grass. Let it dry. Now I can put a lighter yellow that wouldn't have otherwise shown up over the green. You know, let's say I covered too much with a green. Throw in those blades of grass with the the touch-up texture titanium white let it dry, put the yellow, the highlights on top. I use it for, I mean, all kinds of things. So it's not just, you guys typically see me use it for painting highlights and such, but it's not just that. You can use it to cover up a mistake and paint another color over it or draw another color over it.
0: I like that. It's like a, like a different, um, technique really that, that you're able to get.
1: Yeah, you can do it intentionally, like I say, with grass because I think it's easier sometimes to do it that way. But even if you had a mistake, let's say you wanted yellow in there and you used too much green and now you're not able to get the yellow because the yellow is typically going to be very translucent. You can use this where you want the yellow to go, let it dry. And it's the same thing that we do in painting. When I'm painting with oils or acrylics, let's say I've got a blue background, an underwater scene, and I want to paint some red fish. If I just take red and go directly onto the blue, that red's too translucent, the blue's going to show through I'm not going to get a very bold, very bright red fish. So instead, I'm going to paint that area where I want the fish to be. The fish's body will be painted white. When that dries, I can now mm. paint the red on top. And it's the same concept. I'm, u- I'm doing the same right. thing now, except with colored pencil, where I can have an area where it's too dark. My other My pencils are going to be too translucent going over it. So cover that area I want, paint the white in that shape let it dry and now I can put whatever color I want on top and it'll be bright and bold and in a way that it wouldn't have been had I tried to draw that red on top of blue or whatever.
0: Very cool. All right, well, a second category that we wanted to cover very quickly is in different category of mistakes is in thinking about your project. Maybe you've worked for some time on a particular project. Maybe you've got uh, several minutes in or hours, depending, and you start looking and noticing that you've got some huge Compositional mistakes. One of the, you know, so we're going to categorize a couple of things here. We can talk about compositional mistakes. We can talk about maybe the size of the drawing surface isn't going to work for the particular project that you have in mind and you realize that a little bit too late after you've started. Maybe the materials that uh, you're using aren't right for what you're trying to accomplish. Maybe your pencils aren't light fast, that kind of thing. But I want to talk about compositional mistakes for just a moment. To me, this is this is a pretty big deal. And I've made, I, I'm qualified to talk about this because I've made some of the worst <laughs> compositional mistakes in the past. So one of the things that I want to encourage you to understand or, or to uh, embrace is the concept of starting over. <laughs> I've done this. And while while I... I typically try not to do that, and I'm I'm always advocating that, you know, you stick with a project and you complete it because there's a lot of lessons to be learned in completing projects. There is also a time and a place for starting over and deciding, hey, this is not good. Instead of just completing something that you're never going to make right, no amount of erasers is going to overcome the compositional issues that you have with a particular project that you're on it's not a bad idea just to start over. And I've, I've done that. And it's. I just want to give you the license and the freedom to go ahead and do that. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that.
1: Well, I'm going to take that license and freedom away and say that it depends because there it depends on what you're doing. Is that problem, is the draw initial drawing a problem that you're doing a face and the nose is in the wrong place, the eyes in the wrong place, it's too wide? Yes, start over in that case if let's say you're doing a landscape and you realize, you know, I really wish that I had this tree line down an inch. Maybe you should just go ahead and finish it. I can't tell you how many things I've done that I look back and go, wow, that composition was horrible. It didn't keep it from selling. It, you know, it it depends. And another thing that I think really depends is how far into it are you? Have you spent three weeks and it's only going to take you another day to go ahead and finish it up? Then go ahead and finish it up. Have you spent a day and it's going, you know, you've reached that day of work and realized it's wrong and it's going to take you another three weeks to finish? Then I would say stop and start over. I think it really depends on where you're at on the project and what it is that you're doing. What is off in the composition? Is it something that can be fixed by cropping the photo where you realize, okay, I feel like, and I have had this happen with portraits. Unfortunately, it was an oil painting, so it's not so easy to cut off. But where I had the head, the top of the the subject's head was too close when I drew it out, too close to the top of the canvas. It drives me insane. I could crop that so that his head intentionally goes off the page, off the side, you know, make the whole thing kind of focus more on his face. That would be a solution and a fairly easy solution with colored pencil if you're not worried about what your end size is. So again, I'm going to say it absolutely depends. I wouldn't... My first jump would not be to start over unless you just started. Or again, if it's a portrait where the drawing is off, then yeah, that's going to be an issue because you're really not going to ever fix it and make it look like that person if certain things are really far off. Same thing with pet portraits. If you've got the ears not positioned right, the eyes not positioned right, yeah, it's probably a good idea to start over. But again, I just think it depends on too many factors to be able to say, no, you don't like it Just start over because too often I've seen this happen again and again where students won't finish things because they will always feel like it could be better. You know what? No matter what you're doing, it could always be better. If you always have that attitude, you will never finish anything.
0: I think most people may know that I always advocate to finish what you start. So let me restate that. Let me uh, rephrase it, I guess, Lisa. What I'm saying is that my first jump is never to just start over. That should never be your first resort. But proportional problems, let me go back to that for just a moment. R- with regard to the eye or the nose, now I have overcome those issues, um, even if we feel like you know that they're uh, really bad. Even an eye in the wrong place. I've mistakes like that. I've been able to go ahead and correct that, remove what is there, and then restate it by restating the lines and laying down more uh, pigment. You can overcome some of those things. That is true. But if you have you know huge proportional issues or huge compositional issues that, and you're feeling bad about what you're doing and you don't like it and you feel like this is this is not worth continuing and you've learned the lessons and you feel like you can start over and make it better. What I'm saying is that isn't a first uh, option. That's not something that you should go to every time, but that is something that you can do. And you should embrace that at certain times. Now, of course, you always have to evaluate it. And I think that should be rather obvious.
1: I would say too, if you are regularly having that happen, then you you shouldn't do it all together. I think that would make a difference too. If it's like once a year, you realize, you know, I just don't like what I have here. I'm going to go ahead and start this from scratch. Fine.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I hope most people that listen to me don't ever think that I advocate that all the time. I do not. I think most people know that. I sure hope so.
1: If you're doing it every other project, that's a really big red flag that, that no, you need to stop starting over. I was in a band for a very long time. And we accomplished nothing for that very purpose, that very reason of our lead singer always thought everything could be better. And so he would never finish anything. So years of this band, of, of we, the music we were doing was great. Nothing was ever good enough for him. Anyone who heard it, loved it, didn't matter. He, and so we accomplished nothing because of that. And it's like, what was the point then? That was a huge waste of time other than me learning the lesson that some people will never stop doing that.
0: Maybe you have an opinion about this. We'd love to hear that. You can discuss that over in the Color Pencil Podcast Group on Facebook. You can reach out to us at any time podcast at sharpenedartist.com. And again, I want to remind everybody that the entire month of March, Lisa and I are going to be handling Q&As. Uh, so every show will have a Q&A, a different Q&A, where we'll answer your questions. You can submit those over at sharpenedartist.com slash Q&A, and we'd love to get your question read here. You can also go over to the show notes. There is a little sidebar pop-up there that you'll see that says, uh, I think it says record your voice or something like that, and you can... You can leave a a voice recording there, and we'll get that. Send voicemail is what it says. I just looked it up. But you can record your voice there for us, and we can play that on the air if you want to do that. That would be cool as well. And we will talk to you again next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.
1: if you want, you know, just distance tree, or, te- yeah, I can't talk. Okay, and at least we had something to disagree on this time.